Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you for worship today, and I don't know about you, but the knot in the throat is uncontrollable when we see a young person baptized, and I just want to honor the Geister family and thank you for the privilege and blessing of sharing in that moment with Benaiah. Praise God. Um, It is good to be with you and all of you who are with us online right now from many different locations. I hope, by the way, that you saw... Uh, the year in review document that went out to to really highlight 2021. It was sent out with our uh, giving statements. And uh, if you looked through that, you noticed that our average online weekend attendance in 2021 was 413 people every weekend. So when we look at the camera and say, hey, everybody worshiping from many different locations, we're talking to a lot of people. And I just want you to know we love you, we miss you, and for whatever reason you're online, we look forward to the day that we are together again worshiping. We are in week two of our series called Unhurry. So I'm going to hurry up and preach this sermon so that you can get to your Super Bowl preparations. Um, By the way, I have former students of mine who are playing on both teams in the game today. So for me, it's win-win, but Cincinnati's head coach, Zach Taylor, is one of my high school basketball teammates and childhood friends, so go Bengals. I loved Dave's sermon last week, and he asked a question that really messed with me. He asked this, am I addicted to hurry? So I took time to honestly ponder that question for my own life. I did a scan of my personal life. I did a scan of my priorities. So publicly, I would like to say thank you very much, Pastor Dave Brown, for helping me realize that I am, in fact, addicted to hurry. This discovery happened on Monday, the day after he preached his message. Something happened to me on the way home from the office, and it's truly so gross, I have to draw it out for you so you can understand this. Um, But I was on my way home, and I came to this four-way stop sign. And as I pulled up, I'm right here. And I need to turn left this direction. But a woman pulled up right here. And she needed to turn this direction. Both of us hanging a left. Um, The problem is she got there before me. So, out of respect for common law, I'm waiting for her to turn left through the intersection. (sighs) She was so slow. I waited like two or three seconds. And it felt like an eternity. So 
and, and I felt like I did a really decent job controlling some very unwholesome thoughts against the woman, I did find myself wondering why she's even allowed to drive. <laughs> but here's what happened next. She was, let me remind you, she was very slow. So rather than waiting for her to finish her turn, I took off and went around her bumper And that's how I made a left turn. I know. So, I'm admitting to you today that I have a problem. And so, I don't know if it was a thought that came from within or God said this to me. But as I was driving, this hit me. Adam, why did you do that? And then I got home and my wife and my children, they were all already gone because that woman slowed me down. (laughs) They were all already gone at practices and I was alone. So I got out my laptop. I thought, I'm all alone. This is a chance to get some work done and catch up with emails. Open my laptop. The Wi-Fi's down. So I just embraced the solitude. I slowed down. I took a few deep breaths, and I admitted to God my addiction to hurry. This self-diagnosis was both painful and liberating. The rhythm and pace of my life needs an adjustment. I drive too fast. Who said amen? (laughs) I drive too fast, I drive way too fast. When I see a yellow light, to me, that means hit the gas to get through the intersection rather than brake. I don't see it as a caution sign. I leave events early to beat the crowd. Uh, Just two weeks ago, our whole family was at the Jinx Varsity basketball game, two minutes left in the game, and it's tied. And I rounded up my family. Let's go. (laughs) So I didn't calm down. I didn't make them leave. I made them stand near the exit door so we could get out before everyone else. It went into double overtime, so we stood a while. And don't judge me, I'm being vulnerable with you, but we ran to the car. I send text messages rather than call. I work out, but I don't stretch. When I travel, I have TSA pre-check. And when I do self-checkout at the store, I do it because I'm faster. I could keep going on and on about my problems, but enough about me. I'm curious about you today and whether or not you can relate. Walter Adams served as a spiritual director for C.S. Lewis, and he said this, to walk with Jesus is is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death 
of prayer. And I would argue you could substitute any spiritual discipline in with prayer. Hurry. So think for a moment what it means, what it might look like to walk with Jesus Christ. Literally, to walk down the road with Jesus, to travel with him. Most people, the average person, walks three miles an hour. So how can I walk three miles an hour with Jesus when my life is constantly over the speed limit? Maybe we need to slow down and catch up with God. Maybe we need to slow down and catch up with God. I first heard that phrase in a documentary sent to me last year by Ryan Myers, and it messed with me all year. Do you need to slow down to catch up with God? Perhaps you're familiar with John 14, 6, where Jesus made the following claim. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes, Jesus is the truth, right? When he spoke, he was speaking doctrine. And he even started some of his teachings, and I don't know, maybe some of his conversations as well, by saying, truly, truly, I say to you. Truly, truly, I say to you. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. The one who believes in him will live even though they die, John eleven twenty five. 25. that Jesus came to give life to his people. But what about the way? What about the way? Jesus is the truth, yes. Jesus is the life, yes. We don't talk very often about Jesus being the way, right? The way that Jesus lived is the way that we ought to follow. We get up early. We find a quiet place. And we spend time with God. We sleep. Somebody say amen. And we prioritize our physical bodies. We sit with others for unrushed conversation over meals. We practice the Sabbath. And we intentionally stop all of the hustle. We see, but we not only see, we see and stop for the marginalized. We are, get this, present in the moment. We decline invitations and we say no as often as we say yes. Did you know that before 1879, the average person slept 11 hours every night? What changed? It's called the light bulb. And after the light bulb was turned on in everyone's house, we stopped operating the rhythm of life and the pace of our lives around the sun and the moon. And instead, we started following the rhythm and the pace of this little device that you open an app and you set an alarm way too early to get up and work way too hard. And for what? Well, one theologian many, many years ago in Europe said of the people in the United States that we are just too 
alive to die and too dead to be alive. That's why we get up and go. We've been pushing our bodies beyond our limit for nearly a century and a half. So when will we stop? Jesus modeled an unhurried life for you and for me. John Mark Comer writes in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that Jesus' weekly schedule was a prophetic act against the hurried rhythms of our world today. If you look at Scripture and you just look at the way, the rhythm, the pace in which Jesus lived, the speed that he moved, who he walked with, where he went, literally geographically looked how long it took him to get from one place to the next, how he sat around the table with people. His life was a prophetic act against the hurry of this world today. So I'm going to read a story today about Jesus and how he models this unhurried life for us. But first, I invite you to perform a self-diagnosis today. A few questions for you. Are you overdosing on overcommitment? Could the pace of your life actually be a form of self-violence? Are you overwhelming your children with the amount of commitments you place on their schedule and maybe never even talking to them about it? Are you doing too much for the affirmation of others or for that really pleasing feeling of accomplishment? Do you say yes to every invitation so that you'll feel more socially accepted or involved? In his book, Overdoing It, How to Slow Down and Take Care of Yourself, Brian Robinson describes three progressive stages of addiction to hurry. So we refer to this to perform this self-diagnosis today. There's the early stage of addiction to hurry, which includes rushing everywhere, overly busy, inability to say no, constantly thinking about work, and never taking a day off. Do you know at Redeemer, our staff evaluations every year, one question is, have you used all of your vacation days this year? And if an employee says no, we challenge them. Those days are there to take and use and enjoy. They're meant to be a pause in the rhythm of your calendar year. Take them. The next stage is the middle stage. Consistently working 40 plus hours. Hello. Onset of other addictions. Chronic fatigue. Aborted attempts to do less. And just lacking basic gratitude. And then the late stage of addiction to hurry includes physical pain. Emotional deadness. Sleeplessness. Moral or spiritual bankruptcy, and always being agitated with other people. If you identify with any of these stages, it's okay. Take a deep breath. 
We're practicing something here in this church family called vulnerability. So let's turn our attention to the way of Jesus and see how his way might inspire our ways. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. You can turn there in your Bible or it'll be on the screens for you. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is a familiar story, and I've mostly heard it preached in relation to the faith of the disciples. But today I invite you to hear and digest this story as an example of the rhythm and pace of Jesus' life. See, Jesus had been teaching all day long there on the bow of a borrowed boat. Fatigue had kicked in. And dusk approached, and he brought his session to a close. It was time to stop teaching. And off they went. So imagine the disciples' excitement. Hey, Jesus is done with the crowds for the night. We're going to get some one-on-one time with our teacher. Imagine their surprise to learn that Jesus actually wanted away from them, too. I picture Peter who was a talker, you know, always talking, wanting to just recap the day with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you know, talk about what happened today, and Jesus just politely waves him off. Judas walks up, hey, Jesus, I want to show you this plan to secure additional income for the ministry. Judas, hey, we'll talk about it another time. Then there's James and John. They start asking Jesus about their place in the coming kingdom. And Jesus just rolls his eyes, walks to the back of the boat, put a do not disturb sign up, and he went to sleep. Jesus went to the back of the boat, and when he was in the back of the boat, he didn't preach there. He didn't teach there. He didn't disciple there. He didn't mentor anybody there. He didn't heal there. He didn't talk about the plan for tomorrow there. He put his head on a cushion and he slept. A combination of exhaustion from the ministry. But also, you know, when you're on a boat and it's rocking a little bit, you know what it does to you. I think Jesus was relaxed. Exhausted, relaxed, and he was out. Richard Swenson writes, That margin is the space that once existed between our load and our limits. Margin is the space between vitality and exhaustion. It is our breathing room, our reserves, our leeway. 
It is the opposite of overload. When Jesus went to the back of the boat, he was practicing margin. You and I need to practice margin. And we not only need to practice it, but we need to protect it. Because there will always be more to do. We need to keep doing what we need to do, but we need to do it at a God-honoring pace. The back of the boat is a metaphor for us, a symbol of the necessary break that we all need to take from the constant activity of life. Let me share something very profound and very enlightening today. If Jesus needed to stop, then so do we. Oh, but you've got so much to do. Who cares? Jesus needed to stop. So we ought to follow the example of our teacher and stop as well. I love this story. A legendary pianist was once asked this question. How do you handle the notes so well? The artist responded, I handle the notes no better than any others. But the pauses. Ah. That's where the art resides. The pauses. We need to pause. We need to slow down in order to catch up with what God is doing. So I'll finish by offering a few practical tips that might help you slow down and catch up with God. And the first is this. Schedule time with God. But, ooh, that kind of feels unspiritual, right? Like God should trump every other minute that I spend in the day, and it should be more important than every other relationship. Yeah. But if you put everything else in your life on a schedule, if you are rigidly devoted to a calendar, if that helps keep order in your life, you are no less spiritual by putting God on your calendar, I had lunch with a gentleman in our church last week, and he shared with me that his lunch hour is his Bible reading time. Schedule time with God. Number two, learn to say no. Say no. Yeah, say it right now. No. Now say it aggressively. No. We need to learn. Don't say it mean to somebody, but we need to say no to things in life. And I'm not just talking about the things that you already hate doing. You know, like if you're invited to do something once a month and you roll your eyes because you're annoyed and you don't want to do it, don't be like, look, God, (laughs) I said no for you. I'm adopting a healthier rhythm. Say no to things that you love doing. Say no to things that you know are going to keep you out later than you want to be out. Say no to things that you know are not going to promote the flourishing of your relationship with God. Just say no. Say no to a toxic relationship? I better move on. Number three, quit something. One of my favorite authors, Bob Goff, admits that he can't say no to anything, and he's always overly busy. So I've heard him say that to avoid being overly busy, he quits something. Every single Thursday. Cool, huh? Look at your life. What's something that you could quit today and it's going to be just fine without you there? 
Now, you may need to wrestle with your ego a little bit if you think it's only flourishing because of you. But what's something that you could say no to, but also just quit altogether? And you have to use, you have to use discernment here in judgment. Because you were laughing, so I'm picking on you. Um, you can't quit on a person, right? Don't go tell your kid, I'm, I quit. I'm not driving you to practice. Sick of it. The tolls are expensive. Don't, you can't quit and blame the pastor, but quit something, okay? Number four, adopt new disciplines. Hey, Lent is right around the corner. What a great season of the year to adopt and practice some new slowing techniques in life, like oh, coming to a full stop at a stop sign or driving the speed limit. I can't believe I'm saying this to you right now. Instead of self-checkout, get in the longest line at the store. And, and, then, and then smile. And be friendly to other people. And just see what it feels like to slow down. At the next event that you attend, stay in your seat. This is hurting me to preach this. Stay in your seat and let everybody else leave and, and watch. Be the last one to walk out. I'm going to try this at our next event. We may have to drive two cars because I've trained my, I've discipled my family to get out, right? But stay in your seat. Go on a walk today. Go on a walk this afternoon around the neighborhood. See what it feels like to slow down. I know you have something to get back home to and watch on TV, um, but, but slow down. Try to walk three miles an hour. Give it a try. Number five, resist Social acceptability. Um, just because all of your friends have an overly busy life and never stop doesn't mean you need to. And just because your friends' children have overly busy lives and never stop and invite your children to do something every five hours, you don't have to sign your child up for that. Create margin for your child if your child does not know what margin is. Resist the social acceptability to say yes to everything. Number six, turn notifications off. I started this last year because this God's been really, like this series right now is something that God really wrecked me with all of 2021. I turned my notifications off. If you email me after five o'clock, I won't look at it until the next morning. If it's an emergency, you know where to find me. But listen, that's time with my family. I don't want the phone dinging all night at me. Turn the notifications off or do yourself a bigger favor and take your phone out to the driveway today and call your family and friends and neighbors around and then beat it into pieces with a sledgehammer and then kick the pieces around. Turn the notifications off. Do you know that a recent study found that the average person touches his or her iPhone 2,617 times a day with an average of two and a half hours of usage per day. See, we're not too busy. We're just filling our time with the wrong things. And some of you need to stop glaring at your high school student right now. It's not just millennials. It's not just kids. It's 
average human is on the phone all day long. Turn notifications off. The last tip I have for you is give the Sabbath a try. Um, It's kind of cousins with fasting as one of the most neglected spiritual disciplines in the church, right? The Sabbath. And so now that you know a little bit more about me and you know I can't stop at a stop sign, um, I don't know that I belong here preaching about Sabbath because I still have much to learn about this discipline and I look forward to learning more about it with you next week as my friend has accepted an invitation to preach. Ryan Myers will be preaching next week on the Sabbath. I close with wise words from John Ortberg. For many of us, the danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of living them. May this not be true for you and for me. May we learn how to slow down and catch up with God. So that's what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes. Our worship team is just going to play. And as you sit and listen, pray, reflect, do that own self-diagnosis, God, where am I in this rhythm and pace of life? And maybe also as you sit and reflect, listen, perhaps for the first time ever, Listen for the pauses in the music. Take it away. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.